possibility of a loss has to be high for a team that loses the turnover battle by three, falls victim to an opening onside kick, and misses an extra point. But the Chiefs also did many things well and defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. We unpacked most of it on today's Sportsbeat KC. It's Monday, November 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Our show originated as a post-game Sportsbeat Live. Columnist Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, along with beat writer Herbie Teope, broke down the game that extended the Chiefs' lead in the AFC West. From Patrick Mahomes' four touchdown passes, the play of new wide receiver Kadarius Toney, Carlos Dunlap's 100th career sack, the dangerous hit absorbed by Juju Smith-Schuster that didn't draw a penalty, those were the primary topics for the show. Okay, let's get started. Hello from Arrowhead Stadium. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our Chiefs post-game show, where we talk about what we just saw uh, with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. Please let us know what you thought about the Chiefs' 27-17 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars today. So many things happened in this game. we got a lot to get to with Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Herbie Teope. You know, guys, as I was walking down here to the Sportsbeat KC studios in the press box, um, I noticed a kind of a beautiful sunset in the southwest uh, sky, and it reminded me that we had not seen a sunset in a post-game situation at Arrowhead Stadium this season. It was the first, we're in week 10, it was the first noon home game. Chiefs had to be the last team in the NFL to to kick off uh, in the first time slot, uh, the regular time slot of a day. And it also got me thinking, that's that's a bit of an oddity. Also, the whole start of the game was a bit of an oddity. Uh, wasn't it, Vahe, from the, from the coin toss to um, uh, to the Chiefs' first possession? Seemed, seemed a little off-kilter to get, to get going today. It, it, absolutely it did. And um... – I think the term that I tweeted was disturbance in the force. And it really was just a little, a little funny. And it's one of those things. It, it doesn't necessarily ever add up. Right. But it makes you think a little bit early on that like, this isn't going to go exactly the way we think it is. Um, you know, it was, I, I don't remember the last time the chiefs uh, uh, chose to <laughs> chose to receive, but it really turns out they didn't choose to receive. They had a, a little communication breakdown and, and, um, at, 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 that led to <laughs> the Jaguars kicking off with an onside kick, of course. And uh, at, it, anyway, it, it all's well that ends well for the Chiefs, but that was uh, it was a little bit uh, of a funky beginning, and it made you wonder, you know, if their heads were in the right place. Yeah, it does. And Herbie, that isn't that right? I mean, the Chiefs never uh, win the toss and elect to receive. Not as long as I've been out coming out to games here. Yes, and that agreed, Blair. And, you know, the funny thing is I have my tweet ready to go. Chiefs win toss, defer to the second half, Jaguars to receive. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, did I hear that correctly? They said the receive. But as Andy Reid said, and, and as, as Vahe pointed out, uh, it was a, quote, miscommunication, end quote, uh, as to what he wanted and what the, the players on the field actually told the officials. Yeah, let's and let's be clear. It was Chris Lamar who was the one who the official turned to at the coin toss and asked after the Chiefs won the toss, uh, what do you want to do? And I, and I saw Lamont's go like this, <laughs> we'll receive. And I think, whoops, that's probably not what the instruction was. Yeah, Andy Reid called it a bit of a communication no, breakdown. 
And just real quick, Blair, no names, but I did talk to one uh, special teams player in the locker room who said he wasn't going to uh, be critical because he once had an opportunity to uh, to do this and was so overjoyed at winning the coin toss, he forgot what to say. Um, so he had to turn to somebody next to him. So, you know, these things happen. It's not a seamless process. <laughs> Stuff happens. and But you're right. So the Jaguars uh, kick to the Chiefs. It's an onside kick. The Jaguars recover, which essentially means – they got the ball to start both halves and um, did not take full advantage of that, as we know. Chiefs win 27-17. So much uh, went on in this game. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's run down a couple of highlights. Um, the uh, And lowlights, as it turns out, the big, the big talking points today. Let's get right to a, um, uh, the, the big hit situation. Uh, in today's game, um, Juju Smith-Schuster knocked out of the game via concussion on a on a big hit by Andre Cisco. Do I guess I have that right? That's the safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and then just a few minutes later, another big hit applied from the same player to uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And we got to talk to Valdez-Scantling after the game, Sam, and he was uh, like – all the other chiefs who were asked about it, none too pleased by this development. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't be, um, you know, Justin Reed told me after the game that uh, I asked him what the vibe on the sideline was after that play. He said, we were pissed. Um, you know, Marco Quez Valdez Scantling's quote was, are they trying to protect us? Um, and you know, Andy Reed wasn't happy with it either. Um, I'm trying to find his quote. Um, but you know, the referees explained them and also explained in a, in a pool report that it was a shoulder to shoulder hit. Um, well, they, they showed the replay here at Arrowhead maybe 25 times and it certainly was not a shoulder to shoulder hit. And look, I mean, calls are missed all the time. There's rarely a call where you have the evidence laying in front of you looking like he's potentially knocked out in the fencing position. I don't understand how that, that call is is ever missed. Um, I also think that, you know, if it's if it's a situation where it is missed, New York needs to step in there. And I understand that's not the protocol on penalties, but I think it should be because that is the hit you're trying to get out of your game. Um, I didn't think today was a good day for the NFL because that was – an image on the field that to me is the lasting image from this game. It was uncomfortable to watch. You had players surrounding another player, helmets off, down on a knee. And I mean, look, for a moment, we had no idea what was going on with Juju Smith-Schuster and what the outcome was going to be for him. And um, I, I just think it's really not a great feeling. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's a great branding for the NFL to have that image. And, Look, you're not going to eradicate. Um, and, and sorry for the monologue here. No, no, you're not going to. You're not going to eradicate that hit from your game. Um, but the point isn't to catch the offenders; it's to prevent the offenders. This isn't a situation where you know you set a speed trap on I seventy and catch all the guys who speed. You don't want anybody speeding down the highway to begin with. And to me, the only way you do that is if there's severe punishment for hits like that. This literally had no punishment. And I'm, look, I'm, I'm sure um, that Cisco will get fined. Um, but in this game, as of right now, as we talk here at, at 530 on Sunday, there has been no punishment for that. 
And I, I just think that's particularly uncomfortable. Yeah, look, a fine is not out of the realm of possibility, is it? Herbie, you've been around long enough to know and cover the NFL that you can you can get fined for a hit like that even though if, even if you didn't get penalized. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing. You know, you, you'll see this kind of like teams have that option to, to submit up to 10 plays every Monday to the league's officiating department asking for clarification. And so when, when that case happens – they don't even have to do that because that's probably a play that has been set aside. And yes, the front office in the NFL will take a look at that. And just because there wasn't a penalty doesn't mean that he will not, you know, he's, he's, he is subject to a fine. Okay. Hey, uh, Todd, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the belated birthday wish and congratulations on your parlay. Good deal there. Um, Andrew says uh, could have had six or seven touchdowns without the turnovers. That's a, another thing about the game. Chiefs won and covered as Sam reminded me during the game when I was asking him what the line was it, it, when it when it got to ten, uh, pretty important cover and um, and uh, they did it minus three in turnovers right uh, uh, Jody Fortson believe it or not uh, with a fumble on on special teams uh, Isaiah Pacheco early in the game uh, with with a fumble and then Patrick Mahomes telegraphed a pass and got picked off late in the game. So just to kind of, we, we, the we need a, sorry to interrupt Blair, but um, can Herbie break down that, that kickoff play for us by chance? <laughs> oh my gosh. What a, what a, what an ordinary to below average day for the special teams. And one of the reasons was because um, that, that uh, Jody Fortson fumbled. Let's break it down, Herbie. He made a really bad decision. That's all I can say. He made a bad decision, and as he was going down, the ball got punched out. Hey, he's he may be Superman to some, but he is actually human. So that there, but it didn't come back to bite the Chiefs. You know, the uh, the Jaguars didn't end up missing the field goal. But you're right. The special teams today was was Bucker miss another extra point. Uh, so many mistakes there, and I can't wait to get Dave Tobe on Thursday. Because he's, you know, he's got to address a lot of the stuff that's been going on there. Yeah, we may save this for later in the week, but not not having a good year, Dave Tobe, and maybe it has something to do with the fact that they had to replace a lot of uh, longtime special teams members, the Armani Watts group. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more. But so the Chiefs, they overcome the you know, the, the the minus three in turnovers and the the, the coin flip fiasco. And uh, because they get four touchdown passes from Patrick Mahomes and the running game, I thought was pretty good, certainly much, much better than it was a week ago uh, against the Tennessee Titans. And one player that stood out to me, uh, Vahe, was Kadarius Toney. I thought this guy, wow, what a, you know, sometimes when, when a player, especially a wide receiver, joins an Andy Reid offense, you, you just wait and wait and wait for him to make a contribution. And you, and you tend to think that, the playbook's so complicated, and um, it's just going to take forever for this, you know, for this player to uh, to catch up. But Kadarius Tony, they must really like what they see, and, and uh, they're giving him all kinds of chances. He's taking full advantage of them. Hey, absolutely, and 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 look, the the point you're making is what stands out first and foremost. I mean, this is uh, thought to be a complex offense, and something that we've seen um, at least a time or two. Uh, uh, such a uh, uh, kind of matrix that keeps people from getting on the field that seem to have the talent. And here's a guy who uh, was certainly struggling to find his place with the Giants, one for one reason or another. And 
I mean, he literally started this first game as a chief last week. He had limited snaps, but then this week, I mean, he was a bit of a feature presence. Now, some of that might have changed a little bit with with uh, Smith Schuster getting hurt, but he was already an emphasis in the offense. And with on a day where McCole Hardman was out too, that that's pretty big. Um, what was funny about the the play uh, he scored on was that he was Patrick Mahomes' fifth read on the play, and he was supposed to be a decoy for. Uh, for the Jaguars that literally nobody went with him and really to hear Patrick tell it, uh, Patrick kind of forgot he was over there. He, uh, he had to call yell over to Patrick, um, which I think is kind of interesting, right? It's a little bit of a metaphor for uh, don't forget about me and my career might still have a, a, a little, little uh, room to grow here. And I, I do think, you know, we've seen Brett Veach really try to bring in different kinds of uh, people, over the years and at midseason, and there's been some mixed levels of success, but he's always going to churn. And um, right now, this has the appearance of being something that that could take. And they have him under control for a couple of years too, contractually. So uh, it it's it seems like uh, a, a pretty good uh, step forward on this day for the Chiefs as they step forward into first place in the AFC. By the way. Yeah, with the Bills' loss to the Vikings, that we'll get to in a minute too. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, the the whole Kadarius Tony situation with McCole Hardman uh, last year of his contract and Juju Smith-Schuster signed up for one year. Although earlier this week, did he not say he he'd like to stick with the Chiefs a little bit longer? He did, but um, I think just less about what's going to happen with those guys. I think in my mind, than specifically what what they might know they might start soon seeing they really have in Tony uh, if, if this isn't just, you know, sort of a, uh, an aberration. I mean, it, it seems like one thing that's happening is Patrick Mahomes already trusts him. Uh, and, and that's, that's quick. And Patrick also made a point. I hadn't really thought about this. I should have, but that, you know, some elements of the offense are probably a little similar to the giants uh, with, with Kafka there who had been with the chiefs, of course, as the coordinator, now there, even some of the terminology. So, you know, that might account for some of this, but, but also his, his work ethic and uh, study habits uh, apparently are quite good. I mean, Patrick was saying that he's been in the building as much as Patrick has been. And, and I think Patrick's the marathon uh, student. So, so far so good. I like how he one-legged into the end zone on the touchdown reception. Um, didn't stop once he crossed the goal line either. Continued to hop through one-legged uh, through the end zone. Yeah, and and what was funny was he also answered a question about that. That he was he was as he was hopping, he said he was thinking about what uh, what did I do to deserve to be here, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, some illuminating moments from him. <laughs> That's good. Oh, okay, very good, very good. Um, so RJ got the conversation started, wanted to know if we can talk about the emergence of Colin Saunders, pleasant surprise midway through. I agree. Um, and we got a chance to talk to Colin Saunders after the game. He was delightful, as he often is. And and teammates were making fun of him, as you'll hear on a clip that uh, that I think is going to be posted on KansasCity.com in, 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 in a little while. But uh, uh, he is making a bit of a difference. His, you know, we, we knew about his athleticism. You know, for a guy his size, what what was he doing? Was it was it a backflip? I forgot exactly what his uh, what the video was of him as a you know as a college student. But uh, but yeah, three hundred pound guy, very athletic, and 
getting after it, maybe in a way that, um, you know, that uh, Derek Naughty is not. So uh, pretty good addition, Sam, don't you think? Uh, not addition, but uh, you know, just an emergence of, of a guy like Colin Saunders. Well, it feels like an addition because we haven't seen this version <laughs> of Colin Saunders. Uh, we saw maybe it in glimpses his rookie year. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries the past couple of years, particularly last year with, um, I think it was an elbow injury. Um, he really made a point to lose weight in the offseason, and he's definitely quicker. And, you know, I kind of thought that, you know, he – he, he classified himself when, in fact, we just talked to him on, on Friday, classified himself as, as a run defender. And today he got a sack and it's getting harder and harder for the chiefs to not have him be on the field, you know, 60 to 70% of the time, I think because of the other guys at that position, you know, you're they're obviously Turk Wharton's out for the year with the ACL. Um, Derek Nottie is just not having a good season. Um, Taylor Stallworth. I mean, some people tuning in, it might be the first time they've heard his name this year and he's dressing every week. So I think that, you know, Colin Saunders has certainly earned himself some more playing time. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence that he's in a contract year this year. Yeah. Cannot uh, hear a sentiment like that without thinking of our buddy Therese contract year undefeated. And uh, uh, so it should be no surprise. Um, so, hey, Ruth, good to hear from you. Ruth wants to know about how, how about the offensive line is doing. I thought it had a better day today than it did against Tennessee last week. Did did Mahomes get sacked today? Was there one? Did they get one or none? The no, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get sacked. And, I mean, obviously their running game was as good as it's been in a while. I mean, they averaged 5-7 a carry. Um, and, you know, I mean, Pacheco's the guy. Apparently now, I mean, it's not just that Pacheco started this game. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did not have a carry in the game. I mean, they, the seventh round pick is now ahead of the first round pick. And I still think that's a more telling story about what the first round pick has provided them because I think Pacheco still has his flaws. Now he's much better, I think, today than he was, you know, in riding training camp in week one, as you naturally would expect a rookie to be. Although Sky Moore hasn't taken that that same sort of progression. Um, but Andy Reid, you know, I think we talked about this on last week's show. Like, he wants a guy. He doesn't want to do this running back by committee stuff. He's forced into that because he doesn't have a guy. And I think, if nothing else, the Chiefs wanted to see if maybe they could have a number one running back on their hands. And, look, Pacheco, other than the fumble, um, which is a big other than, um, but did everything he could to prove that he's the best runner in that room. I think he runs angry. Um, you know, and we know he runs hard. I think he runs with a with an attitude. And I'm, I'm still a Jarek McKinnon fan. I, I love him on the screens, uh, the, the slip screens. I, I think he's the most effective player in there. Follows his blocking as well as anybody. But yeah, except for that that fumble, which was just a uh, you know a helmet punched it out that. Um, uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see Isaiah Pacheco as the starting running back. And listen, we go week to week on whether this running back room is um, is good enough, right? Um, and I just made, and I think we also concluded that when the season when we get to the postseason, Andy Reid tends to give the lion's share of the carries to one person, 
And I still don't know if that's that would be Pacheco over Jarek McKinnon, but it just seems increasingly possible that it's not going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So that I'm, uh, that is really interesting to me. I just I just feel like what they've established that the difference between them is significant enough that they've got to force feed Pacheco and 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 see what they've really got with him. And I think they like what they've really got, the baseline for it. And I think his his vision and sense of the field and understanding of what's around him is only going to get better. I I, I wonder if they feel like they've gone as far as they can go with Clyde. And I've, I've been kind of a, a Clyde apologist. Um, I I thought like that that Cardinals game, we've probably talked about this before. I thought, well, that's, that's the way that guy can look when he's healthy. And uh, I, I just thought a lot of, um, his troubles had been that he was not as healthy as uh, people might have supposed in different situations, but I, I, I think he's being left behind. Jack says that uh, Roger Goodell said this morning that he's most proud of the increasingly player safety in the NFL, and they should make illegal use of helmet. Oh, should they make illegal use of helmet reviewable? That is a good question because the last pool question to the uh, to our official today from from Adam Teicher was. What happened to Juju Smith-Schuster was not reviewable, and so I maybe maybe that does need to happen. Um, but um, yeah, that's yeah. I just I, I I don't think you can miss you can afford to miss that call. Um, and if that means you have to review it, then so be it. Um, I prefer, you know, New York gets involved in these games a lot more than people realize, and the reason it's more than people realize is because they're so quick with it. Like these are not extended delays. I mean. How many replays did each of the four of us need to watch today before we knew that was helmet to helmet? It, it takes one replay in 30 seconds to where none of us would even know. It's literally the time it takes them to sit there and huddle on the field to make the call. And somebody in New York or somebody up here where we are all sitting can buzz down and say, that's helmet to helmet. And I just think it's, it's too significant of an error um, not to correct it. I'd also note that anybody at Arrowhead today saw that replay over and over and over and over and over again, where it just kept, you know, you know, back a second, back another second, and and it was incontrovertible. I mean, I, it, it, and and extreme. So it, you're right, Sam. I mean, it, there's 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 got to be that mechanism. So um, the Bills-Vikings game was going on uh, as we were going down the elevator. Uh, in fact, it was going on earlier than before we went down the elevator, but it was starting to wind up uh, as we went downstairs for the locker room part of the, of the game. And does anybody have a good Bills-Vikings uh, story about uh, watching the final minutes or the overtime of that? Did anybody – uh, a locker room story or a fan story, observing people watching it, because I do. Just I don't know if anybody else had one. Yeah, I saw a pretty prominent player come out of uh, the dressing room, and um, I'm trying to think of how I can PG this, but um, he was pretty surprised by the uh, the Josh Allen fumble that led to uh, to Minnesota's touchdown. And then back in the back corner, all the defensive guys are, it's all they were talking about back there was that play. I think that they, that um, Patrick Mahomes in particular probably would have rather been watching the end of that game as opposed to answering our questions because that's when overtime was going on. And it was mutual. The feeling was mutual. I would have loved to have seen the end of that game in overtime. 
Yeah. When we walked into um, the locker room, you, you, you saw you saw Andrew Wiley, you saw Nick Allegretti, James Winchester all all huddled up there watching the game on the phone. So the Chiefs players were well aware of it. Even Orlando Brown, as Andy Reid was walking out, he was asking because uh, he stopped me and was like, what's going on in Buffalo? So we had to tell him what was happening. And he was like, really? So, yeah, the, the Chiefs players were really well aware of that game and what was happening. So that's three losses now for the Bills, is it not? Um, six and three record um, in two in a row, right? The um, the loss to uh, the Jets last week and, and now this one, which means that, correct me if I'm wrong, the Chiefs have the best record in the AFC at seven and two, which means when you start seeing playoff picture graphics, uh, the Chiefs will have the number one seed and um, and then you fill in the rest of the of, of the bracket uh, for this for this week. So a uh, little too early in the season to to get excited about it. But um, of course, the big advantage of being the overall number one seed, which the Chiefs had two years ago, was I think more. Believe it or not, I think more than the home field is the first round by and having the week off um, and not having to play uh, three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, only two and in your home stadium. Now, the Bills have already come here and won, and, um, and the, the Titans darn near came here and won last week, as did the Chargers, as did the Raiders. Teams always come here and almost win. Um, Bills the only one that did it this year, and Chiefs have won all the rest of them. So, um, Blair, to, just to your point real quick, that I mean, it is early for this to really have meaning. On the other hand, I, it's not hard to remember a few weeks ago when people seemed to think the Bills wouldn't lose another game. Um, and that, you know, all this uh, jockeying for position was was not going to happen until the last couple of weeks of the season at best. You know, what's, what's crazy about this, because um, I know a lot of people have made something about the Chiefs passing the Bills. The Bills are in third place in the AFC East now. <laughs> I mean, they've lost to the Dolphins and Jets. So they're losing out on the tiebreakers to both of those teams. Like, I mean, they're they're battling for the playoffs. That's the headline here. Are the Bills going to make the playoffs, right? <laughs> oh, man. Somebody for podcast form, somebody needs to. I, I guess I need to point out that uh, I still think the Bills are quite good. Um, I actually still think the Bills end up with the number one seed at the year's end. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but that would mean the Chiefs have to find another, at least one more loss, and um, and, and more likely a couple. And I think that's I think that's uh, fair. If this is a team that showed it's capable of losing to a team that is, you know, that, that just hired a coach off the ESPN set, who, by the way, the last I checked was winning his in his debut. That's Jeff Saturday, the Indianapolis Colts. I think they, they were ahead of the Raiders the last I saw. So, um, what a great year for the Raiders. Hey. Um, so uh, let, let, just just a final thought on um, how about Carlos Dunlap? He, you know, he, he got a shared a sack with Chris Jones today, which meant number 100 for Carlos Dunlap's career. And I heard him say after the game, he would like to um, take his jersey and <laughs> um, have it with his father who died back in January in a car crash, which means – opening the coffin and putting the jersey in there, um, which is an incredibly touching sentiment for Carlos Dunlap. But, Herbie, he has been a really nice addition to this Chiefs defensive line rotation, hasn't he? 
yeah, it started off the season in a rotational role, and then obviously over the last couple of games, his his role increased because of Frank Clark's suspension. But you know, getting a hundred sacks, he mentioned it. It was a goal of him coming into the league because he wanted to be remembered among the elite. And when you hit a hundred sacks, you know you you're pretty elite. So congratulations to Carlos Dunlap and. You know, he also made it when he got here in training camp. That's some, that's a theme that he's always brought up every time he's talked to us. That 100, yep. getting to 100 has, has weighed on him, and he finally got it. Yep, and Chiefs had five sacks today. Pretty productive day for the defensive line. I thought they really bothered the Jaguars and Trevor Moore. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was a fat 55 pages this morning, highlighted by our Chiefs coverage and everything else that happened in sports over a busy weekend. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.